Practical Idealist Podcast, aligning what is good with what is possible. Our focus on this show is real change that improves health, home, and community. It's back to school time, and things are about to get busy for our family, probably your family too. Today we'll be speaking with someone who can help us make healthy meals a reality, even on a budget, and even when it seems like there's just not time. Marian Sanchez is a good friend of mine, and she is passionate about food. She inspires even the worst cooks in the kitchen through her contract work as a cooking teacher and a chef, and through her incredible blog, Kitchen Trail. This program is brought to you by the Homestead Education Center, a nonprofit organization in Starkville, Mississippi. This week we want to welcome our new members, Brittany Archibald, Natalie Morgan, Phyllis Harvey, Elizabeth Brady, and Diana Dees. These members support our programming, and you can find out more at thehomesteadcenter.org. That's www.thehomesteadcenter.org. Before we get started with our interview, I want to tell you about what's happening at the Homestead this month. In a university town, August is kickoff month, and we welcomed over 100 people to our grass-fed barbecue. The focus this year was about local, local food, local art, local music. High Hope Farms and Sansing Meat Processing provided the burgers and sausage, and we had local artists Andre Ray, Joe and Joseph McGowan, who are a father-son team, and Potter Dylan Cargis on site sharing their talent with us. The music was provided by a local musician in his group, Jake Slinkard. And our focus was on local because we understand that supporting local arts, local food, and local music supports the local economy. And that's something we're really committed to at the Homestead. We also kicked off with our August online course, Food, Learning, and Behavior. We've been sharing research on how nutrition impacts cognitive ability and behavior and finding out how to best equip kids to have a really good school year. It's easier said than done, but our member Facebook group is full of good discussion. And I hope if you haven't checked that out yet, you really will. We also kicked off with our Nature Kids Co-op, and a lot of families came out to beat the heat. They're really focusing on getting kids outside, on science, on art, and just getting kids in the dirt and, and into fresh air. And I really love seeing these kids out here every Wednesday at the homestead. September, September activities are even busier. We've got a really good lineup coming up. We're starting out next week with our Backyard Livestock online course. So if you've ever wondered about keeping chickens or goats or bees in your own backyard, check out this course. Homestead Day is September 8th, and it is going to be a day jam-packed full of events on local food, uh, garden, home, and health. And Andrea, has, uh, one of our board members, has set up a lineup that is just incredible. I hope to see a lot of you out there. There are all kinds of workshops and talks and hands-on events during that day. Evan O'Donnell will be leading a family hike on September 23rd. And you can find out all about our upcoming events at thehomesteadcenter.org backslash calendar. On a personal update, Mike and I were kind of happy to send the kids back to school. Max has gone into the 8th grade and Ben's in 7th grade. Cecilia is 
um, doing just great in the fourth grade this year. And while we loved having them at home, the grocery bill got pretty high with two uh, teen and preteen boys. So we were happy to send them back to school, and they're all doing really well. But it was a really good summer. We got to take a trip of a lifetime to Germany with Mike's parents, and Mike's dad is from Germany. And two of the things that pertain to this podcast that I wanted to share from that trip were the number of solar panels we saw all over that country. They said that over almost a third of the energy in Germany comes from solar, and we saw these on grocery stores, on houses, on houses that were way out in the country. It was just impressive to see how they have put that technology to use for energy in Germany when they are at a latitude that's similar to Canada. And if they could do that at that latitude, what could we do in Mississippi? The other thing that was neat was the recycling program. We were asking a lady in a store what to do with our bottles, and she went on a rant about how she couldn't believe more tourists didn't recycle the bottles because all you have to do is take them to the grocery store where they give you about 50 cents in euros per bottle. And so we were, uh, the kids kind of liked turning those in during that trip. I also released another book last May called Beating Depression and Anxiety for Life with two really brilliant co-authors. And I'm finally getting to get around to promoting that book. We're doing a lunch and learn next Thursday at the Bookmart if you're local. If you have anybody in your family that's struggling with these issues, I hope you'll you'll contact us or do our online course in February or come out to the Lunch and Learn next Thursday. There are tools out there for dealing with depression and anxiety that really weren't available 10 years ago. And so I'm really excited about that work. Yesterday I got to visit with a really great group at the Winston County Library. And the stories they shared, it just convinces me more and more that every family has somebody who's struggling with these issues. And the good news is we have tools to deal with these things now. It's just that they're hard to find. I'm still helping out at the King Center a couple days a week on workforce development. And I'm looking forward to telling you guys about a Homestead Helping Hands project in the next few weeks that I think you're going to be really excited about. Our members have helped countless families improve their lives through the Helping Hand projects over the last three years. And we don't plan on stopping. So keep, uh, keep your ears tuned to the project that's coming up. I'm really excited about it. One of our focuses on the Practical Idealist is to find out how to better take care of ourselves so that we can more effectively take care of our families and our communities. The old saying, we are what we eat, couldn't be more true. But with school starting, it can be hard to make time for decent meals. Marion Sansing is going to kick us off on the right foot in our kitchen. Welcome, Marion. Thank you for having me, Allison. I've known you for a long time, almost 10 years now. And I love to tell people that you are a Jane of all trades. If there's something I don't know how to do, I can always ask you. Because even if you don't know how to do that thing right then, you'll figure it out and then make it teachable. You're just too kind. <laughs> well, I'm honest. But uh, your real love is food. And I hope you can kind of start off by telling us where that looks. Open markets, specialty stores are everywhere. And I also always like to cook. Um, when I was real little, my mom would let me do in the kitchen the first things that I got to do when I was little. And I think it's a great way of teaching a child to cook was my mom would let me make the salad dressing every day. And I could use anything I wanted in the kitchen, but the stipulation was we had to eat it no matter what I made how bad the dressing was or what um, we always ate it so I got to experiment with all the different uh, bases oils and
So one of our focuses on the practical idealist is to find out how to better take care of ourselves so that we can more effectively care for our families and our communities. The old saying, we are what we eat, couldn't be more true. But with school starting, it can be hard to make time for decent meals. Marion Sansing is going to kick us off on the right foot in our kitchen. Welcome, Marion. Thank you for having me, Allison. Marion, I've known you for almost 10 years, and you are a true Jane of all trades. If there's something <laughs> that I don't know how to do, I know if I ask you, you will figure it out and then make it teachable to me. You're just too kind. Well, your real love is food, and I want you to start off by telling us where that love came from. Well, I grew up in Germany and basically spent half of my life there. And in Europe, food is so rich in traditions, and we have open markets everywhere. There's specialty stores everywhere. And I also always liked to cook. Even when I was little, my mom would let me make the salad dressing every day. And I got to experiment with everything that was in the kitchen and learned a lot from that. And from there, my love for food has really only grown. And I moved to the U.S. in the 90s. And I was really homesick for my food. I was missing the rich food culture of Europe. And I began teaching myself um, pretty much how to make everything. Everything I was missing, bread or cheese or cured meats, and slowly my kitchen became my hobby room. And these days, I pride myself in making everything from scratch, sometimes maybe a little too obsessively. Yeah, you're, you, I would say obsessive is maybe the word for your cooking. But <laughs> you can also tailor it to people like me who aren't so good. Tell us why it's important to make food a priority in our lives. You know, uh, throughout the last few decades, we've really reserved, uh, received a lot of contradictory information on what we should eat. But I think the research is getting better and better, and with all the new research, we're really finding out how important food is to our body in terms of how much it can do for your body, but also how much it can damage your body. Uh, and if you're looking for the best strategy to dramatically improve your health, food really is it. Many people today, you know, they struggle with weight issues, diseases, and other health problems that impair their ability to have a great life, you know, to be happy. And many people resort to pharmaceutical drugs to relieve their symptoms, but these are typical typically result in more harm than they do good. What most don't realize is that they can significantly improve their health by just changing their diet and eating habits. And food quality is really paramount, and that's one issue that our government is really not talking about these days. You know, and it never has when they give all their guidelines over the years. Food quality was really not talked about, and it's a huge issue. So how do we know? How do we choose our food? Um, you know, whenever I teach my classes, I always tell people that common sense is your main gauge. If you use your common sense, um, you will make better decisions. So I always tell people to eat food that's local, 
food that's in season um, only by meat and eggs that come from grass-fed, truly free-range animals, and use the concept of perimeter shopping. That's a, you know, something that became popular in the last few years. If you don't know what that is, if you shop the perimeter of the grocery store, which means you're not going through the aisles, but you're going throughout the outside, and that's usually where your whole single ingredient shopping is done, whether it's the produce section, the meat section, or the dairy section, you know, all of those are usually on the per perimeters, you know, granted, like oil, you have to go down one of the aisles or something, but um, there are several aisles that we don't shop anymore, you know, when I take my family shopping and my son goes, mommy, why don't we go through the cereal aisle anymore, and, you know, it's, there is so much bad stuff you know, from all those mystery ingredients that you can find, food additives, they're pretty much all on the aisles. So that is what perimeter shopping is. Um, the other thing that we really use is the Environmental Working Group, which is a independent nonprofit uh, research facility that does a lot of work on food, drinking water, and cosmetics by testing everything for the chemicals that are in it that are proven to be harmful to us. And you can constantly read their new reports. And each year they issue uh, a little pocket guide called the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. And it's a shopping guide for uh, produce that tells you which produce is really contaminated with pesticides and which ones are really basically clean. And that gives you kind of an idea of what you should buy organic and what you buy um, just conventionally. So it helps you save a little bit of money. You don't have to buy everything organic. Yeah, and not everything is always available organic. So if something is on the dirty doesn't list and it's not available organically, I just don't buy it. You know, I just think of something else to make or, you know, substitute that ingredient. And why are we? Why do we need to be concerned? Why does organic, grass-fed? Why do these uh, GMOs? Why do we keep hearing so much about this? What does it matter? It matters, you know, a whole lot because it inputs uh, the, all the inputs affect our health. Because just like anything else, whatever you put in is what you get out. So, um, for us to be truly healthy, we need to. Since our environment is so polluted already, we need to really try to minimize that intake of all those chemicals that are um, bad for our health. And things that I really focus on is the nutritional value of your groceries and that's where the local and in season comes in. You know, even if you buy organic and it's shipped and really our soils are being so depleted because they've been over farmed and Farmers have only been fertilizing with the traditional NPK chemical fertilizers, which is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, and we surely need more nutrition than those three. Um, the other thing is glyphosates. Glyphosates are what's in Roundup, and since genetically engineered foods and crops have been made Roundup ready, it led to a massive increase of Roundup use in the fields, up to 250 times what it used to be. And recent studies have found that glyphosate is in 
all the food pretty much that are made from crops that are grown with Roundup applications. And there's a study came out a couple of years ago um, where they uh, tested a thousand participants in Southern California and found that 70% of those people had glyphosate in their body. Um, I think Allison said she would post the link to the website where you guys can read that study if you want to. Um, the other thing that I'm really concerned with is genetically modified foods or animals consuming genetically modified foods and you know that's another whole big issue that we could put you know have several podcasts on probably but there's a reason that genetically modified foods are banned in many European and countries all over the world actually. Um, then another health concern is endocrine disruptors. Um, Can you explain what those are? Yes. Um, so the disruptions that occur in our bodies because of chemicals that actually mimic the hormones in our body, including the female hormone estrogen or the male hormone androgen or the thyroid hormones. And those chemicals can be found in personal care products, drinking water, canned foods, um, livestock that is raised in concentrated animal feeding operations, and high mercury fish cleaning products, non-stick kitchen tools, solvents, thermal paper, I could go on. Um, but so they make a big, big difference and you know can cause cancer and other problems in our lives. So we've heard why we need to be concerned about the food that we're eating. Can you quickly go over the list of the dirty dozen and the clean 15 and then we'll move on to how we can make this a reality. Okay, sure. So um, this again is the list of produce that you uh, don't want to buy or want to buy. So the dirty 12 are the ones that are highest in pesticides and they start, so the number one is really the produce that's the very highest and number 12 is still high but you know much lower than the first one. So the very worst is strawberries. Second, spinach, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, celery, potatoes, and sweet bell peppers. So these are the dirty 12. So these you want to make sure to either not buy or buy organically. The clean 15 are the ones that are not very polluted and you can safely buy uh, the non-organic version even though they might not be as uh, nutritious as an or organic or locally bought but they are not as polluted with pesticides is what that means. These are avocados, sweet corn, pineapples, cabbages, onions, sweet peas, papayas, asparagus, mangoes, eggplants, honeydew melons, kiwis, cantaloupes, cauliflower, and broccoli. And if you go to the Environmental Working Group's website, and that's ewg.org, you can actually get a little pocket guide from them. And I just love this organization, and I'm every year I contribute money to them because they do such extraordinary work. So I told you she was passionate about food and food quality. 
she's also skilled in the kitchen. But Marion, what about those of us who aren't? Is there any hope for us to prepare healthy meals for ourselves or for our families? Of course. Healthy cooking doesn't mean you have to cook like a French chef. It just means you have to be able to do the most basic and balanced form of cooking with ingredients that are high quality and that's really all it takes. Stick with simple recipes and simple techniques that you are comfortable with. Can you give us an example of a simple recipe? Well, you are the queen of simple recipes. <laughs> Allison loves food that has three ingredients that you can throw in the crock pot and it's done by dinner. So I think... Okay, well, I'll share one of mine. Know. <laughs> Go ahead. I can share uh, my favorite. It's the uh, roast in the crock pot with a jar of pepperoncini and all the vinegar that goes with that. Push on for 12 hours and every kid loves it and my husband too. I can add some potatoes or onions but that is my favorite go-to meal. So you can see it doesn't take much um, but let me think if I can think of one that's that I love that's just really easy. Um, I can't think of you know a specific recipe at the time but the crock pot is really a great tool I think that anybody can cook in a crock pot you know you can't burn anything and you know it's usually not overcooked so and things stay moist in it um, that's really a good tool to have to simplify your cooking so let's talk about that even when we have good intentions but time is a real factor for most people we're running kids to activities all the time after school and most people work and try to take care of their families or themselves what are your time-saving tips for making healthy meals? I have quite a few. So <laughs> um, I think making things in big batches, and I'm not just talking about finished meals. You're not making three pans of lasagna and freezing two. But I'm talking about um, making parts of recipes or ingredients in, in batches. Um, if so... But you got to have room for that. So if you're going to make things ahead and preserve them, um, clean out your fridge, make room to put stuff that you're going to use, that you're going to cook in a batch, you know, a week ahead of time. So you have room to put that in your fridge, make room in your freezer or get a freezer if you don't even have one to uh, preserve seasonal foods that you have, you know, plenty of at certain times. And so things that I love you know to make in batch and have on hand that freeze really well is rice for example you can cook a big batch of rice and if as soon as it's cooled off freeze it and then when you defrost it it's like fresh and chop onions you know everybody hates to chop onions just chop a whole bag of onions portion it out and freeze it and every time almost every recipe needs onions you have your onions ready that really saves time um, you can cook beans ahead of time and freeze them um, meats I don't freeze them but I'm thinking of meat that you can cook on Sunday and then have that meat again two three times throughout the week in you know in different forms in your meat um, there's a great book that I got a couple of years ago. It came out. It's from Random House. It's called Batch. It's by Joel McCharles and Dana Harrison. 
they do an awesome job and I don't use many books anymore now that we have so much stuff online but I really love that book because every time I have too much of something I go to that book and I find ways that you can save that you know or make different things out of uh, raw ingredients that you can use further down the line like we'll I had a, a bunch of them we'll put go a ahead. link to that we'll put a link to that in our show notes as well yeah great um, like my neighbor brought me a ton of tomatoes the other day and you know you can make so many things with tomatoes and I was just running out of ideas and you know having a book like that on Rand really helps so batch cooking is one time saving component another one is really meal planning and we all know that and it's tedious and we don't want to do it but you do it once and just use that meal plan over and over and you will really be grateful for it for it um, one concept that I kind of developed uh, in my cooking classes was what I will call the continuing kitchen and what that means that one meal leads into another and another and another so go back to the too many tomatoes example um, the other day when I had all those I started you know peeling and cutting the bad parts off and stuff with those tomatoes the other day and while I was doing that I had defrosted some ground beef and I was browning meat at the same time but I browned like three times as much as I needed because I was using that meat for other things as well but at the same time I started with my tomatoes as I was making tomato sauce I used some of that tomato sauce and I was making with the brown, a third of the brown meat I was making a bolognese sauce that I was using for dinner that evening but then the the rest of the bolognese sauce I put in the freezer and I'll make lasagna two weeks from now and the rest of the tomato sauce I froze and I will use it some other time so you know while you're planning a meal think of which parts you could use for the next few days or which what you could put in the freezer and use some other time you will waste less food and you will have left less, uh, less leftovers so it takes some pre-planning and it can be you know sometimes hard to wrap your head around it but once you get used to it it really gets better um, the other thing is a well-stocked pantry if you kind of got your meal plans down and you cook the same thing you know at, at a certain repetition you know you're always going to need this you're always going to need that make sure those things whatever it is your family needs whether it's rice and beans or tomato sauce that you have a well-stocked pantry so that you don't have to run to the grocery store all the time and I always have a recipe repertoire for leftovers so let's say you had leftover meat from the weekend because you ate steaks or something I have like this you know repertoire of quesadillas hash eating the meat cold over salad so when you have those recipes already you know you'll make quick use of those leftovers um, and learn good techniques you know how to reheat meat don't reheat meat in a microwave you know when you have leftovers make sure you use them wisely 
Yeah, one so. of the biggest uh, inspirations that you gave me was the story about your grandmother. You said, you know, she didn't really cook that many different things. She had maybe, you know, 12 to 20 things that she cooked well. And so that really inspired me. Uh, you, you got me on the kick to create our family's list. And so I, I thought, I can't cook a million things well. I can't even cook 50 things well. But I might be able to figure out 20 things I could cook well. And then we just rotate those. Uh, that's where my, my roast pepperoncini recipe came from. But I think everybody could start a list, like you say, and that, would, that saves time. If you're only buying the, the ingredients over and over during a month for the same recipes, it becomes quicker. I agree. I agree. And I'm, I don't always stick to my own advice, cause, um, but both of my grandmothers were excellent cooks, and they never had to look up anything. You know, and that perfected those recipes, and that's why everything they cooked was just out of this world good. But how do we do it on a budget? We've talked about time saving and why we need to be concerned, but it's expensive to eat in a healthy way. We think it's expensive. You know, in old days, frugal cooking was um, labor-intensive cooking. If you had, let's say, leftover meat, in, you know, and you were in Italy, you made ravioli or tortellini out of it the next day but nobody has time for that anymore so that really has changed on how we save money in cooking or how we use up leftovers the other thing is um, I lost my train of thought sorry <laughs> um, we so how do we cook on a budget cooking in season you know if you want to use strawberries well, buy only strawberries when they're in season, when they're affordable. Um, or, you know, put up tomatoes when they're plentiful. So that's how you can save a lot of money. When you look in the grocery store, the produce that's on sale is usually what's in season. Um, buy in bulk. Get together with friends and buy a 50-pound bag of grits or whatever and split it up amongst each other. You can save a lot of money that way. Um, making things from scratch really costs a lot less. If you, let's say you buy your beans dried and cook them yourself. So we've talked about why we need to do, why we need to make meals a priority and we've talked a little bit about time saving but how do we do it on a budget? Eating healthy is expensive or it can be. Well, uh, food's really not as expensive as we perceive it. Um, in the 50s, people spent twice as much of the annual income on food than we do today. So, uh, people have a wrong perception, I think, that food is expensive. Um, but talking about frugal cooking, you know, historically people made things that were very labor intensive. You know, if people um, had some leftovers, they would make like tortellini the next day or whatever, but we don't really have time for that anymore. Um, so we need to come up with some other things that um, save us money. One is cooking in season. You know, whatever is in season is also gonna be the least expensive in your grocery store. Buying in bulk, um, people get together and buy a 50 pound bag of something and then split it up you can save tremendous amount of money um, there's buying clubs out there um, that you can make use of um, 
Making things from scratch really saves you a lot of money. When you make your own salad dressing or you cook your own beans, you can save a lot of money. Um, don't eat any empty calories. We don't need to spend any money on food that doesn't nourish us, that has no nutrition, it's just a you know, craving kind of food. Eat less meat. Meat's really the most expensive item in our shopping carts. Um, use all parts of the food, especially if you're going to buy high quality ingredients, use it all. Don't throw anything out. Use the bones to make a bone broth. Use the stalks to pickle them of, you know, greens or something. Um, there's really a lot of ways that you can save money. There's, I saw a list the other day where there's a hundred items in your grocery store that are a dollar or less a pound. Those are single ingredients like watermelons, potatoes, beans, rice, you know, all those things are really not that expensive. We just need to learn to use them and how to cook with them. Tell us a little bit about your, uh, I remember the story about your husband's family, the five for five. Could you tell us a little bit what that was? Oh, yeah. So my husband grew up with two brothers, and when those three boys were teenagers, they were eating my father-in-law out of house and home. So he had to kind of reinvent their, their uh, meal planning every week. And so he created these few recipes that he would cook over and over and he would call them five for five so um, that was like 30 years ago but um, so they would feed five for five dollars at night and we still cook some of these meals and some of them I would think they're now you know ten for five so uh, but still they can be very inexpensive uh, one of the recipes that he loved to make is what he called plate tacos, where you put corn chips on a plate, you top it with browned ground beef, with fresh onions, grated cheese, you pour hot tomato sauce over it, and on top of that goes shredded lettuce. And it's fast and it's easy and it's inexpensive. And as long as you use, you know, non-GMO corn chips and grass-fed beef, an organic tomato sauce and uh, you know good cheese and organic lettuce you have a wonderful rounded meal and it's easy to make and it's usually enjoyed by everybody in the family that is definitely one on my list of 20 and I learned that from you and maybe um, to round out our trip around the kitchen we could talk a little bit about basic skills I was never encouraged to be in the kitchen as a kid my mom worked and she wanted to get it done as quickly as possible and I appreciate that she tried to cook for us but I never learned those skills and so we're not all of us very comfortable with the skills what are some equipment and basic skills that you think would make kitchen life a little easier you know in the cooking classes that I've taught I always find that people have poor knife skills or no knife skills or are very intimidated even by knives and knife skills and I think when you're kind of hesitant in the kitchen not very comfortable that would be one good place to start is um, to get you some decent knives they don't have to be expensive but you know not just a, a little paring knife but get your full-size knife and learn how to use it you know learn how to chop onions for example um, like they go in almost everything and hardly anybody knows how to properly chop an onion you can go onto YouTube you can go on my own 
uh, kitchentrails.com website. I actually have a little video on there on how to chop onions. Um, so, and it makes, if you're fast and good at prepping your vegetables, it saves so much time. Um, and that's something you can practice every time, every day you're chopping your vegetables. You can try to make it more efficient, get better at it, you know, make it more uniform size so things cook at the same time. And you'll be proud of it. Um, as far as equipment goes, we said before the crock pot. Um, crock pot is really a great tool to cook things, you know, while you're away and to cook things the 